2020, we have what one writer called the hell world, which is YouTube. So YouTube, <laughs> YouTube kids. The hell world. I, a parent called it YouTube is a hell world. And Hello and welcome to Inconclusive, the podcast where we randomly select topics and argue about them. Coming up Inconclusive, my name is James. My name is Abigail. And my name is Candace. All three of us are educators at an international school in Taiwan and bring wildly different perspectives to the table. It is important to note that our individual opinions do not necessarily reflect those of our employer. Okay, let's begin. Hey listeners, welcome back. This is our third episode in our series on politics. I'm here with my wonderful co-hosts, Abigail and James. Hello. Boop. <laughs> and uh, today... I think we can move on. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be okay. It's, I don't know if it'll be okay. Um, today, we are going to talk about children and the internet. We are looking at uh, two... We're not actually doing two different views. We're doing three different views about Ooh. that relationship. So it is verse verse. It is government information cleansing versus company monitoring versus self-censorship. It's a lot of verses going on. It's like the Bible. <laughs> Very true. There's a lot of verses going on. On that note, I will define our terms for us. I'm not going to define info cleansing. Instead, I'm going to define info pollution, and then we'll extrapolate from there. So info pollution is the contamination of an information supply with irrelevant, unsolicited, and low-value information. Also, I want to define... Uh, an outdated piece of tech that used to be used in censorship called a V-chip. It was required by law in 96, and uh, TV providers and people had to have all of these V-chips installed in their computer or in their TVs by 2001 in the U.S. It was also used in Canada and in Brazil. What, what does V stand for? I don't actually know. I think oh. it's it's something to do with the process that it's doing, which is okay. um, it it slices up the um the shots in a tv episode or whatever it is and looks for that label at the bottom corner that tells it what's wrong with that um tv episode so you've seen oh. that little black box that comes up and says ma dash tv and then yeah. a y or an m or a g or whatever yeah like the rating i have not seen that the rating oh, oh like, wait yeah oh, the, the rating, rating. Box. oh okay. yeah, yeah the yeah, little yeah. gray box yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got it Sorry. i wonder you if it stands it. for vetting it probably oh, does. That makes sense. That's probably what it Thank is. Thank you. Good job. My other guess was victory. I was thinking virtual. Oh. That's also a good extrapolation. Or vid, like or video. Very ah. delicious. Very delicious chip. Very delicious chip. Mm. That would be like a chocolate chip. Very delicious. I wish we could censor the last 30 seconds of this conversation. By the way, a review of what censorship means. <laughs> wow. You like my segue? Good segue. Good segue. Good segue. Uh, censorship is the suppression or prohibition of any part of books, movies, considered obscene. And so I want to ask about what do you all currently feel about censorship in the internet? <laughs> very broad very Who broad to answer topic. this one first. Yeah. Wait, what do you are, currently like, feel? Before we, we get talking about, about just like specifically with children in the internet, how do we feel about the in internet general? and censorship in general? Oh, oh man, I've been assaulted by so many different images on the internet that I have not had any care to have ever been even around, mm. you know, 
between graphic things and inappropriate things and just things I don't want in my mind, it's unfortunate. Mm. Um, I think the internet's full of a lot of garbage that if we just consume unfiltered is really bad for us. I think Mm. emotionally bad for us could be physically bad, um, mentally bad, socially bad, morally bad. Um, But there's also a lot of good on the internet and a lot of access to things that could uh, broaden and deepen our minds and give us new ideas or ways to express ideas that I think is also really valuable. Um, I feel like a lot, like a lot of things, it's a balance. Um, and so I know personally that there was a time where I needed to use a filter to filter out certain things because, um, you know, of personal struggles that I had with looking at things and going to places that I shouldn't be going Mm -hmm. to. Um, so you know, I think there's value in filtering out the information. I think it gets hard to manage or organize if we're trying to do it to other people mm. um, and, and make decisions for other people that they may not agree with. Right. So I, I started thinking recently, uh, really today, about this the fact that we think of Internet as this thing we consume. And I started thinking of it as food. So imagine if um, I handed you an apple and said, here's an apple, and then you bit into it and it was made of flies or it was poo inside or it was disgusting in some way. It was non-nutritional, but it looked nutritional on the outside. Or at the very least... Like it looked enticing. It looked enticing, yeah. And I think that's kind of the the hard part about the internet is we consume automatically by our eyes and by our ears. We can't, after we see something or after we hear something, make the choice of like, can I spit this back out and it not enter my digestive system? Well, there's that phrase like you can't unsee something. Yeah. Right. right. Like it's very true. Yeah. Unhear it or unthink it. Yeah. I don't know. Like our brains are malleable, like they can grow, but there is there is damage that gets done like immediately when we're when we see something or when we hear something that we should. Or even if maybe not damage, but maybe a rewiring of thought patterns that yeah. maybe we didn't want. So I, I mean, I think there's a level of being careful with calling anything that I would consider like I think kind of what James was getting at. What mm. maybe what I would consider something that was like assaulting to me might not in a different context or in a different way be considered assaulting to someone else, right? Mm. And so I think that with that being said, if you, I think there are times where it does cause you to, even if it's not damaging, it does cause you to think, change your thought patterns in maybe a way that you don't want mm. until it is too late. Right. Um, so but I, it's also interesting because like when we, we also see things when we're out walking around, right? right? So, I mean, it's not completely the same, but there are certain things that, can't be on public display that you can find on the internet. Right. Um, but there are also things that like are maybe acceptable to one group of people that would not be in public. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. can I go up to someone else in public and say, Hey, could you, you know, change your shirt? Cause I find it offensive or whatever. Right. Um, is that right to do in a public sphere? Because internet is in some ways, I mean, I think it'd be considered a public space, right? right? So how, you know, how much authority do we have to dictate how other people function 
in a public space. But the other hard part about that is go back to the metaphor of food. Like the government is all about regulation when it comes to agriculture, farming, like like beef, all of the the practices that go into making food for the public that people then pay for. But because the internet is like semi-free, like the fact that we pay for Wi-Fi, but you can get public Wi-Fi in places, I, I think that part makes it a little bit more of a Wild West still. Though net neutrality being kind of taken away, what was it last year, two years ago that happened? When companies now can pay for their fast their websites to load faster than other websites that compete with them, which is really sad. Yes, that was really sad. But going back to the idea of censorship on the internet, I think it's a totally different conversation when we're talking about adults and when then when we're talking about kids. Mm. Because I I could I'm sure that well, maybe not, but I think that you, the two of you would agree that we are, um, generally speaking, mature enough to be able to filter out on our own what we are willing and not willing to consume mm-hmm. when it comes to the internet. Right. Um, but we are also adults. Right. Right. Who, right. who have existed in the world of the internet for a while and have learned, well, I don't know about y'all, but when I was a kid, I used to go to all those, uh, um, a child, a true child of the '90s. I went to all of the um, internet safety things where we would go to like a classroom, mm. and this old guy would like teach us about all of the ways that you could like be killed because of what you put <laughs> on the internet. No, I'm not kidding. Like, oh, you think that it's okay to put your birth date on the internet? Someone can find and kill you. Oh, you think it's okay to put like your zip code on the internet? Someone can find and kill you. That mm. was like <laughs> before we got before we ever got internet in our house, or maybe it was after. I don't know. Before I was able to use it, we went to a couple of those classes, and I still think about that sometimes mm. kid is like oh i you know i post this thing on instagram or whatever and i'm like oh my gosh internet safety internet safety <laughs> like what are you posting pictures for and as i do the same thing as an mm. adult but like it's still in the back of my mind you know totally uh, uh hypocritical but like, like immediate it's, it's thought crazy. It's like so ingrained because of all of that well, anyway i think society has the same standards for even for food because there mm. are certain things that kids aren't allowed to like alcohol, kids aren't supposed mm-hmm. to be consuming Tobacco. alcohol or smoking mm-hmm. or... And companies aren't allowed to target kids. Right, for exactly. Things. So, I, I mean, I think it's fair for that to, to be the case. And also, there are a lot of things that the government would require food companies to, like, disclose on their labels. You know, mm-hmm. that's why there's all those that are, like, this uh, this ingredient is known to cause cancer in California or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> causes and cancer everywhere. Like, it it's doesn't just cause, California. It just, yeah, like, everywhere else is immune. <laughs> but I think it's, you know... I think we sh- we you should be honest about just as you should be honest about ingredients of food, you should be honest about the contents of yes. whatever site you're going to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the consumer, the viewer of your website, knows what they're getting into. I was also thinking about this with um, the social dilemma. I don't know if you all have watched it yet. The documentary that came out recently that was that's about looking at the influence of social media on our lives and also looking at its effect on um, young people, like not just children, but just teens. And it's it's kind of, it's really hard to think about how like the websites, like social media websites are creating... Um, these models of us that individually, like they know, they know Abigail Nelson really well and they know Candace Brown really well. And, and they know like what kinds of images and what kinds of posts and which of our friends we're going to click on their stuff more often. Like that's terrifying to me. And, and if a 13 year old, even though they're, they're 13, if a 13 year old does that, that is a minor 
who some company out there has a very detailed data mined model of them. What's really extraordinarily creepy is a lot of those um, social media sites are lowering their age to 12. It's not all 13 anymore. So like, I think Instagram is now 12. Um, I know Instagram is 12, but I don't know. I don't know about Facebook or TikTok or that's horrifying. Any of the other ones, but I do know that. Yeah. 12 on Instagram. And we'll be back after this break. Welcome to Currently Reading with Abigail. Today's book is The Heretic's Daughter by Kathleen Kent. Sarah's story begins more than a year before the Salem witch trials, when she and her family arrive in a New England community already gripped by superstition and fear. As they witness neighbor pitted against neighbor, friend against friend, the hysteria escalates until more than 200 men, women, and children have been swept into prison. Among them is Sarah's mother, Martha Carrier. In an attempt to protect her children, Martha asks Sarah to commit an act of heresy, a lie that will surely condemn Martha, even as it will save her daughter. See you next time. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about the internet as this public sphere, but also this thing that we consume and its effect on our brains and how it rewires us and how it's also terrifying the effect of social media on us, even though we use it constantly. But now I want to back out a little bit and just think about who is currently um, helping with child safety and what is the current standing of the internet in our law system. So first off, UNICEF is the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund is how it was originally called post-World War II. And then it changed to just the United Nations Children's Fund, but we still call it UNICEF. And they um, create these guidelines for countries saying um, what kind of measures each country should take. And I'll talk later about something they suggest as far as the answer to safety for children on the internet. But also U.S., we've had, I think, two or three major laws that have been passed that concern the internet, and they were all in the 90s. The rest of the the other internet laws that have since been kind of posted or given as options were shot down. Like the last one, I think, was in 98. There was a ton of fear in the 80s and 90s for a lot of different reasons. Um, So it makes sense that a lot of, like, as the internet was coming kind of to its personal, like, as a personal thing, Mm -hmm. um, that there would have been a lot of laws. There's like a and in contextually in America there was a lot of underlying fear of being kidnapped and killed mm. and of so there's the big satanic panic and all of that mm-hmm. too. Anyway, little side anthropology note. I love it. I'll tell you about the Telecommunications Act of 96 first. So it ensured that there would be ratings for any device that broadcasted um, TV movies on a public. Um, platform, so like cable. Mm. Um, so that's how we get those little ra- ratings at the bottom corner of TV shows, and they're still there today on old TV shows and ones that appear on like Fox or um, the Nature Channels or um, History Channel, like the, the all of the channels that have been around for like 20, 25 years at least, they all still have these mm. um, ratings on their shows. And then and that was actually... Uh, Bill Clinton claimed that that law would solve teen pregnancies rise, but it didn't really have any effect on it. Darn. Also, it required that oh, every no. TV would have the V-chip by 2001. And uh, then 
like, I think in the years after it, only 30-ish percent of families ever bothered to program their V-chip. They just had to get it in their TV and only like less than 5% used it regularly. <laughs> so it was kind of a dud all around. But that was like the his way of answering that public scare yeah. of... Here's the the demon of the of media's oh, effect on your guys, child. You cannot even with how afraid people were. Like <laughs> it was it was crazy. Anyway, it's a whole different thing. That's why like slasher movies were such a big deal. Mm. That's why like the, there's I mean there's such a, a large amount of interesting side note facts layered on top of it too because it was right after a whole bunch of like three different serial killers in three different regions of the states mm. were operating around the same time with high kills and so because of that and one of them being sorry this is has nothing to do with internet <laughs> safety but one of everything them, has to do with serial serial killers everything let's be honest. does this everything relates back but. Um, one of them being uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, who, in with an intent to scare people, he used to put pentagrams on places. Although he was never actually a Satanist, mm. and so people were afraid of like the influence of the devil mm. over their children because Richard Ramirez was literally killing people in the name of the devil, which yeah. had he was just doing it to stir up. Um, Son of Sam was around the same time too, same kind of a thing, just to stir up the the fear and to make it extra scary, you know, as if being murdered isn't enough. I read something that alluded to the fact that, um, in the nineties you could call on a 900 number and ask, and like a reporter did it to show that it could be done. He called and they asked his name and he gave a serial killer's name, like a known serial killer. And he asked for a list of a certain number of children in this age range, in this County. And he got all of their names and all their addresses because it was data mining in the internet before we really thought about data mining. It's creepy. Yeah. Anyway, all right, so on that, let's talk about um, one that one more law that I referenced, the COPPA law in 98. That's um, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which, believe it or not, fun fact, was given by Senator Democrat Richard Bryan and Senator Republican John McCain. Hmm. And it was designed to limit the collection and use of personal information about children by the operators of Internet services and websites. So that was what helped start limit data mining for kids under 13. But now, in 2020, we have what one writer called the hell world, which is YouTube. So YouTube, <laughs> YouTube kids. The hell world. I, a parent <laughs> called it YouTube is a hell world. And oh, man. Because they found out about Peppa Pig. Do you all remember what happened with Peppa Pig in 2017? Yes. There was, like, embedded in some of them, like, really creepy, like, clips or images of, graphic like, images. graphic, like, of suicide what? or murder. You know about this? No. Yeah, it was really... And they would be flash scenes. Mm-hmm. So it'd be less than like five seconds long, less than that. Yeah. Right. So that way that a parent, it would be almost, un- and if you, even if you're previewing it, the likelihood mm-hmm. of you missing yeah. it is high. Right. Um, and if you're previewing it, not on regular speed, you're going to miss it. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you're just like, I've got to get through this. Um, but it's embedded in the kid's brain. But it's brain. embedded in the kid's brain because of that. There's like a psychological thing about um, the quickness that you see something. Yeah. I can't remember what it, that effect it's is. It's like called. how many frames and then it registers in your mind. Yeah. And then without it, you knowing without it, you knowing yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of subconscious. And there's so, like a conspiracy theory about that's how Coca-Cola gets people to buy their products. Yes. They just flash the Coca-Cola. In different places. Yeah. 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 Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Oh my gosh. But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was really, it was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And that spurred, is that, that's a big part of what spurred the movement to like, you have to click 
Anyway, you you talk. Okay, so like I want to. There's another branch of um, of Peppa Pig remakes that that happened with it that people weren't as cognizant of, and it was very close, uncanny fakes of the show. So Doc McStuffins was another one, and Peppa Pig. Those were two children's shows that people were remaking. They would like change the color, or they would change like the sound slightly, and then they'd embed scenes of like Peppa going to the dentist and and like having a tooth extraction and blood going everywhere mm. or like Doc McStuffins ha- and in both of the shows there's never any violence obviously they're like right, very right. popular young very children young. age yeah. and apparently Doc McStuffins has um, very generic ways of referring to like boo-boos of like oh he's got an owie on his elbow like it helps oh, them yeah. learn locations of body parts but like it's With never very, specific very, yeah. and the remake of the Doc McStuffins on YouTube would be like an exposed bone with like meat blood everywhere like gross gra- graphic and like screaming and like a human mouth teeth inside of like the cartoon I hate like that. really I visceral hate that so much yeah and and it the so like I was reading one parent's like critique of this and they were talking about how it's hard because a brand produces trust so if you're just smart enough yeah. to like edit or to copy a brand right. and make it look like it but YouTube claims that that's that's fine because there's a space for that. Like they they defended it's a like YouTube parodies video. or you know yeah exactly yeah. exactly. So then the problem is like yep. is it copyright infringement or is it just a parody? Like they they defended hard. You can a, like make a you can do a cover of a song yeah, or you can do a drum cover of a song mm-hmm. where you're just overlaying your interpretation of the original content. Yep. Which whoever created this could say like oh I'm just. I'm just, this is an interpretation of, well, of Peppa Pig or and whatever. alongside of that, if you're not, if you could also claim that you're not actually trying to target kids with it, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, middle schoolers love that kind of humor and high schoolers too, right? Like that kind of mm, dark, darker, but not, maybe not as graphic as if it was a real person. Like right? drinking so bleach, of, how that was like a meme yeah, for a yeah. couple of years. There's well, literally a like, Peppa Pig even, video of Peppa drinking bleach but even and like YouTube defended of, it. Con, like even just thinking of other cartoons that exist with mm. that target age, like Adventure Time, and there's some other ones on Cartoon Network that are like bizarrely graphic, but not mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, anyway, it's almost like they're it's remaking hard, it for a different right? audience. Yeah. right, but they're not saying that because right. it's not really, really what they're remaking it for. Right, right, because it's more insidious than that. Right, and I'll. I'll give you one more problem, and then I want to cycle back to what do you think your solution is. So another problem that's here is the idea of common decency. So remember how I defined info pollution earlier? There's some info pollution on YouTube as well with softcore and hardcore porn that gets past their filters. So one big one is um, well-known characters like Frozen Elsa or Anna's head or Spider-Man or... Um, Wolverine cropped onto another body and then images of them like jumping or they're in multicolor and then they do like either violent or sexually explicit like graphic things Mm -hmm. and it's just cropped on like character heads and the videos will say something like learn your colors or learn your shapes and and like and, and then it'll say like bad superhero or bad uh, cartoon. And it's like meant to get kids to click on it. Right. And they don't it's, know why. Yeah, yeah. They don't know why they're drawn to it either. And it's it's like their way of getting views. And YouTube says, is, is trying to figure out how to crack down on videos like this where they're targeting kids because they wanted the kid channel to be like a, a safe place or an opportunity for kids. But now they're getting confronted with it being like a... TV channel of how do you filter everything 
without also admitting that there is a problem there if they want people to have that creativity. And with that, we are going to take a break. And welcome to the segment called Words Are Hard with Candice, where I share an interesting word or phrase. Today's word is unsolicited. Unsolicited means something not asked for, and it comes from the Latin un, meaning not, and solicitare, meaning to disturb, trouble, or harass. According to spamlaws.com, 45% of emails are unsolicited spam. Unsolicited. Welcome back. Before the break, we were discussing the monstrosity known as Peppa Pig remakes on YouTube. We discussed also um, Doc McStuffins and uh, softcore porn that we've heard about being on YouTube that is not caught through filters. And now I want to ask, what do we do about it? What? Who is in charge of fixing anything that we see wrong with the internet when it comes to safety for children? Because really, it's three different parties that it could be. One, it's the government. Two is companies, and three is us with self-censorship. So I want to open up the floor. Um, I think, for me, the question of who's responsible for fixing it goes back to why we think it's these things are obscene or why we think these things should not be shown to people. Because um, we kind of live in an age where whether something is right or wrong is pretty much left to individual choice. Mm. Um, you know, in, if you're, if you're a ninth grader or you've taken my Bible class, (laughs) we have extensive discussions about objective and subjective morality and whether or not individuals are the judge of what's right and wrong, or is there some absolute standard out there? Um, and we live in a world where like individuals are told that you can do whatever that you want. Um, so why is it bad to watch these videos, you know, Mm. like if it's just bad because you think it's bad, then why should I care? You know, because I I think there was a time in society where, um, and I don't want this to sound like, like, Oh, back in the day, everything was great. But I think there was a stronger sense that there was some kind of moral foundation in society. And that if we crossed a line, it was kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, as a society, we generally frowned upon certain things. Mm. Um, but I think over time that's changed and the line's been pushed enough that there's so much that is sort of like tolerated mm. that would have been completely out of line just a few decades ago. Mm. Um, and I think some of those things have been f- for, for good, um, but there's some things I think that, that as, as, society, as a society we've gone a little too far. Um, so I think any of these won't stop it because it's a it's a moral culture that's evolving and saying that you can do what you want and you decide what's right for yourself. Um, so the government can't tell you what to do because you get to decide for yourself. Your but, parents shouldn't tell you what to do because you decide for yourself. But I think that's different when you're talking about the age group that we're talking about too because we're not talking about you know, high schoolers per se, we're talking about like 10 year olds. Well, Peppa Pig is like, is marketed four and under, Mm -hmm. right? There's not, 
an ability. I don't think any group mm-hmm. would say that there's a an ability for someone who's under the age of four, four and under to have any kind of age of reason, like right. to be able to, hmm, you know, is this going to be this healthy is going to give my me brain. a nightmare if I watch this. So maybe I shouldn't. Like they're not they're not thinking like that, right? Mm-hmm. They're thinking, oh, it's bright and it's colorful and it's tasty mm-hmm. and it's right there in right. front of me, mm-hmm. right? And it's easy, which I think makes it more complicated. And I'll I'll say that there's also precedent for the government intervening with certain practices, but because of law outside of more outside of decency or obscenity. Just thinking about targeting of kids. So like child labor laws in the 30s, that was for the health of of children. And then laws like these, like the Telecommunications Act of 96, even though it's kind of vague and based on morality, it's also still based on the safety of children because it was made to oppose violence, the the, Mm. um, uprising of gang violence and teenage pregnancy and drug abuse and everything that was happening in the 90s and people were afraid of. But still, it was in the aim of of safety of minors. And like when... um, when YouTube was getting in trouble in 2019 with um, Google or with, with um, the Federal Trade Commission, that's the closest thing the U.S. has right now to a group that can like crack down on some weird practices on the internet. Because uh, what was weird is the fact that it was YouTube was collecting and data mining and targeting ads to the kids on kids YouTube. Mm. So it was not necessarily that the videos were bad, but that. YouTube kept feeding them more and then adding ads into it. And so now YouTube kids can't monetize any of their videos, which is kind of a weird balance to strike because now YouTube creators don't want to make as much content for YouTube kids and they're not going to make as much money for YouTube kids. So YouTube is losing bukus of cash because of the case that they lost last year. Um, So there is precedent for the government doing things in the name of safety for kids rather than in the name of morality. And I think I think my answer to this question, having not really answered it yet, comes into like a twofold. There's like the ideal and there's the realistic. I think ideally our our kids shouldn't have access to the internet. Like our little kids, like under middle school even, shouldn't mm-hmm. really be on the internet. I, I say that as a teacher who uses internet resources in my class all of the time, but mm-hmm. I wish that there was a way to be able to do that, do some of those same things more frequently without the burden of the internet for, the, for our kids. CD-ROMs. Right, right. <laughs> Let's go back. <laughs> Print sheets, <laughs> dictionaries. Um, but ideally, parents shouldn't be letting their kids watch Peppa Pig on YouTube mm. on their cell phone in a place, right? That's I mean, that's ideal, but that's not realistic mm. because of the way that our world has changed since technology has, like the internet and different technology has, has come around. Like our mm-hmm. kids are um, are from a young age primed because of the other things in their life, not even just because of like negligent parenting or anything like that are primed to be able to need and want extra stimulus mm-hmm. um, and the noise, but also colors and whatnot more than they would have before, right? Mm-hmm. There's something, I can't remember. I was reading something about it. It's I like wish I knew like the name of the article or something, but there's something about like, it's like a psychological, it's a psychological thing. thing. Yeah. And it's like a, and it's a, and it is a legitimate like, change in brain chemistry Mm. Mm. with the advent of the internet and personal devices. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it can't really go away. Like we can talk all the time, like, oh, parents just shouldn't let their kids be on YouTube then. And, but that's not realistic, like really realistic. And so because of that, there does need to be clearer, uh, more vigilant guidelines for it. So 
even thinking right now about Facebook and the elections and mm-hmm. how um, they have changed algorithms and they have been um, more vigilant, whether or not you want to say that it's a good thing or a bad thing. They just mm-hmm. have been, as an entity, more vigilant about um, whether or not posts are uh, fact-checked. So they'll mm-hmm. they'll cover posts and, like, they, they cover graphic posts. They cover ones that are that is deemed to possibly be graphic mm-hmm. and they cover posts that are um, not not uh, factually accurate and they give you other ones that you can click on out uh, like under it like mm-hmm. this is not this is not accurate about covid or the election right. or whatever here's three articles that are and that was after government intervention like after right. mark zuckerberg had to sit on trial oh, for yeah. hours and hours and oh, then, yeah. like pick him apart saying you caused the election problems or you right. caused the riots in charlottesville or you caused this through But your I think that that's good. Like I think that that's good even mm. though sometimes it maybe feels inconvenient if you're trying to share something that facebook has said is not accurate or if you're trying to share something that you don't believe is graphic but is being labeled as as a graphic, it mm-hmm. becomes maybe feels irritating at the time, mm-hmm. but there is a safety in that, right? There's a safety from the spread of misinformation without completely censoring out the freedom of a person being able to share something, right? right? It just adds another level so that way you can teach a kid, hey, if it has this symbol on it, like you don't click on it because you don't know. Right, like I'm thinking specifically of the graphic content filter right. on Facebook. Ooh, speaking of graphic content, so there's there's this one company that my family used to use when I was in high school or middle school called VidAngel, and you could filter um, any movies or um, Netflix or other streaming services. It was like an extension you could put onto smart TVs and it would, or on your computer, and you could watch movies totally filtered with specific things. Like if mm. you didn't want to see any blood, you didn't want to see sex scenes anything you could you could put all the filters on and my I remember my dad trying to put all the filters on so we could watch Daredevil and because we wanted to watch it because it's a superhero movie and it was 17 minutes long (laughs) and so I've still never seen Daredevil (laughs) because it made no sense 17 minutes long so like I it's just it that's one scenario where a company provided an opportunity for people to self-censor in a way that was more realistic of like, I still want to watch a movie, but I just don't want this one five minute scene in it. But Angel got sued by Disney and a bunch of other movie companies because they said um, they were editing their content and reselling it quote unquote. Mm. But, and what was worse is VidAngel was downloading legally, illegally on DVDs and then burning those DVDs so that they could do their, their streaming. So it was, it was not, that's a mess. So they got sued for like nine point. I think the final thing was they, they went bankrupt and then they reintegrated as an extension again, um, that you can use with HBO and a couple of other streaming sites and they have to pay off like $9.9 million over the next 15 years. And with that, let's take a quick break. Hello, and welcome to Jokes and Jocular Facts with James. Today's joke is, how do cats stop crimes? They call claw enforcement. Today's jocular fact is cats can't taste sweet things because of a genetic defect. Cats can jump surprisingly high, slip through the tightest spaces, and seemingly have nine lives. But there's one thing they can't do. 
taste sweet things. According to a 2007 article in Scientific American, unlike other mammals, felines can't taste sweetness due to the fact that they lack 247 base pairs of the amino acids that make up the DNA of the TAS1R2 gene. As a result, it does not code with the proper protein and it does not permit cats to taste sweets. This has been Jokes and Jocular Facts with James. Catch you next time. Welcome back, real listeners. Um, we, before the break, talked about our ideas about the answer to this. Who is in charge of monitoring the safety of children when it comes to the internet? Do we think it's government? Do we think it's the companies? Do we think it's just us as people slash the parents of children having self-censorship? Um, we didn't really come up with a, a straightforward answer though we just are dancing around it what do you um, think if i if i can add i think last time i didn't really answer because i I've got into kind of talking about that morality thing mm. um which i think is still kind of an underlying issue in society today but i do think that censorship should start with the parents and mm. then if parents aren't unable because of uh access or because the the um, because YouTube is not correctly labeling things or whatever, then I think it moves up to the company that's producing it. And mm. then if the company itself is unable to filter their content based on what the parents are asking or the consumers, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then the government should be the last one. I don't think the government should take the place of the parent in the home disciplining or, or, you know, limiting or for lack of word controlling <laughs> caring for their kids and show like deciding what they should be allowed to look at or what not to because i think sometimes our government is wrong and i think sometimes our government takes stands that are rooted in things that not all parents would believe in so i i think i would always err on the side of parents should be deciding on on behalf of their children um up to a certain age i guess 18 or whatever Mm. Whatever is the legal age. 18. When I does like your that brain one. decide that it can decide things? When the government has decided our brain can decide things is 18. 18. When your brain actually can decide things is 26. 26? Yeah. I thought for women it was like 23 or 22 no. and men it's 26. They moved it up for everyone recently. Oh. They, well, it used to all be 25. There was no difference. Mm. And then it, now it's 26. That was recently within the last two or three years. I think that it was like the year I turned... 25 was so three years ago was the year that they changed it and i was like dang it <laughs> psychologists no. neuroscientists but I, but I think but i think the goal is that we ought to as individuals be responsible for what we look at right so i think what what's a good way to train someone to not look at something is is it just because government says you can't do it or government has a filter or company has a filter or your parents are like doing like i think you get a better moral grounding for the rest of your life if the people who are um putting these rules on you are the ones who love for you and care for you on the day-to-day -day as mm -hmm. opposed to a government yeah. and of course all this falls apart if your family has fallen apart. And if there are things mm -hmm. in your family that are like, mm -hmm. like if you're in an abusive situation, mm -hmm. then, then like, I don't, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't care what my parents say because they, they don't care about me. Right. You right. Know? Right. So, but I think there's a, there's a foundation and environment of trust and love that, that we can foster self-censorship and teach those habits so that it's not like, oh, I'm only not doing it because I can't get through the government filter. I think that is really good skills that kids need to, um, to learn and be able to do. But I do think that it is important with the distinction of not every family is capable of doing that. The other thing is that self-censorship is kind of the backbone of the internet. So uh, Section 230 is has been referenced several times this year in debates between our presidential candidates in the U.S. And uh, it's the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 96. It was that telecommunications Act that I referenced earlier with the V-chip. So in that, this is considered to be one of the cornerstones of the modern internet. It is companies are not responsible for content that they didn't create. So that's how Facebook has millions of users creating content and posted. Right. And now we're getting into this gray area where actually both Biden and Trump want it gone. And the what the implications of that would be is it's removing a little bit of the safety barrier that companies already are know they're not in charge of it but they don't want to have any problems with being in charge of it so they build their platforms to already promote safety right so if all of the fences are gone then who knows how much worse the content that's out there could become but um actually i think nancy pelosi talked about this that she her her face was used on um some sort of uh like like a deep fake yeah yeah fake video of like of a pornography video and uh she wanted it taken off and facebook um said no it wasn't it wasn't a porn video it was something else but it was they had her saying something she never said exactly they doctored her saying it and facebook said no because it still was in their creative license to make something but it's hard to know like how much protection this communications decency act is really giving and how much worse things could be if you right. take it away. And I think, well, but that like, that's, that's an, even an adult context, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not even talking about children, right? right? But we've lost, I think we've lost a, a moral underpinning of like why I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like, why, why do you care that I took your face? Right. right? Like I decide what to do. And mm. I feel like doing what I feel like doing and your face shouldn't have been out there. You know, right. like you didn't have to put your face out there right? or whatever. Um, but I think, I think that's why like, a lot of parents are choosing to not post any pictures of their kids right, because right. they don't right. want their right. kids to not have but that I, choice. But right. I think as human beings, we've, we've like, I, like we've lost our ability to have decent respect for one another. And like, I think part of that comes with just like everyone it it's comes with subjective morality because like you decide what's right and wrong for yourself. So I'm going to do what's right in my view and who cares what you think. You but know? I, and I think that's where it gets complicated. Well, so, okay. Specifically with the idea of deep fakes, maybe not with the, with the general, what we were talking about before, but because you are now attaching, you're slandering someone right. else. Right. For, for sure. I'm like, not saying it's right. I'm, I'm yeah. It, like it becomes a little bit more, it becomes a little bit more tricky and there are things in place to be able, I don't know specifically about like, like what it is moving forward right now with the deep fake situation, but there are precedents set already for if you are saying someone is doing or has been something that they haven't been and it affects them negatively, right? right? Yeah, there is sure. legal precedent for that. Mm. But I do think that we there needs to be consideration on the 
back end of that too. And ideally YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and, and all of these other places that host it would be, or host content created, Reddit, all of them would be more responsible for editing it out first before government intervention. So what if they had, instead of a deep fake, what if they just had a cartoon depiction of someone in a, in a, like a fictional thing, like Like they made an animated, yeah, or maybe an SNL or even more realistic or if they more creative, right? Because mm. the whole argument is like, oh, well, I'm being creative with yeah. this data or with this information. Right. I would argue so, SNL is really creative sometimes. I, well, right. And so, like, can I can I make a cartoon depiction of someone and play out something, some scenario mm. that may not even be violent or sexual, but, but it's think, just, like, fun and, and I it's think not that's real. The, that's but the it's, difference, though, right? Between it, I mean, I think it's a totally different conversation because mm-hmm. a deep fake is made to be unrecognizable even sometimes at a pixelated level in certain ways yeah. from you. Like right. that, that so picture that you on Kanye can't... West's album that has like Donald Trump and Taylor Swift in a giant mega 10-foot wide bed with Kanye like and 15 other celebrities. It is created intentionally so that way if it was some, that, that it is almost impossible to tell a difference from. So it's a whole different conversation. If you see a cartoon depiction of someone, you know that someone else or this person has created this cart, this like cartoon. I'm, and I'm thinking like, you know, um, like Family Guy style, right? Uh, right. Like mm-hmm. so cartoon it's, so of a person. So it's, it's different. So it's wrong because it's too similar to. It's who wrong you really because are. it's. Un, the difference it's is uncanny. Unca- not uncanny, unintelligible. The mm. difference is you cannot tell a difference between a deep What if they put a, a little freight. disclaimer at the end? Is like, this isn't actually the person. So Would someone that has to, to have watched the whole thing of this to be able to get it I mean, that's how disclaimers out, are, right? At the right, end, sometimes there are movies off. that are like... But it's, but it's different. It's different because it's a signing, an action, or a belief, or a statement. And it does, like you said, it doesn't have to even be graphic. It could just be like... Um, having someone say that they're pro or anti mm-hmm. a stance that they take the opposite mm-hmm. on, right? Mm-hmm. Like to, to yeah. change, because it could change, mm-hmm. it has it, political implications, it has mm-hmm. personal ramifications, it has so job ramifications. Even why so, is that wrong? I think it's because wrong, you're, but how do if, I tell, how do I explain to someone who is a subjective moralist who's like, I can do whatever the heck I want because mm-hmm. morality is determined by me, how can I tell them that's wrong? On what basis? The basis of that it harms someone else. Why is it good to not harm someone else? I would argue that generally speaking, as someone who's not a subjective moral, mor, moral, moralist. Moralist. Oh my goodness, right. words are hard. Words are hard. Um, as someone who is not oh wait, no, a subjective sure. moralist, yeah. I would say that generally speaking, at least in the conversations that I've had with people who are, and as the world has worked itself out, people generally have the point of you shouldn't harm others. Like that's usually the line, like do whatever you want. So long as you're not affecting someone else, that's why laws are in place to prevent theft sure. and, and, and uh, even minor theft. Right. right? It's that's like you're, invade, in you're invading but, my freedom. But, right. the, but the idea of subjective moralism is that there's even that there's no foundation for that. Cause that's just individual preference. Like, cause, because you prefer not to be harmed by someone else. No, but I think societally we well, have know, ar- we have already come to an agreement that you shouldn't harm someone else. So There's already a social contract. I just I yeah, but I think I mean I I agree with you. I'm just trying. I guess I'm being the devil's advocate here and trying to pres- I mean like argue the other side, right? Because I do think it's hard that we've like I mean I guess I keep going back to this like we've lost the moral backbone in society these days because we do things to one another and to ourselves that is not right 
objectively. Right. And that's just that's just a progression into the modern world, a postmodern right. world. Exactly. Like naturalism, like sprouting into like Darwinian evolution and people just starting to get really paranoid about our value in the universe and then distrusting of of any sort of value in ourselves and into this just kind of nihilistic scream into the void of yeah. of just rage against the night and I mean, don't really know all, what to it's do all, from there. It's all info pollution, right? <laughs> it is, I mean, yeah. I'm just surrounded by a world of data that's meaningless and mm-hmm. I can just make whatever meaning I want out of it. And It's really woo-hoo. sad. And I think that adding, I think it's hard because I, I think we're talking about trying to add censorship, either government interference or platform interference, right? You're trying to add some sort of a moral backbone into these platforms, right? right. In a world that generally... But I think that, that generally should come re- from the individual first. Mm. But see, but that's the, uh, that's but the problem because then that's a subjective, because that's a subjective moralist standpoint would be to come up with it on your own. Mm. But no, 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 no. I think, no, no, no. What I'm saying is if I, if I want someone to stop doing something... I want to talk to them first about it because I think if I change their mind, that's better than I've, if I get the government to cram down on I them. I think that you're absolutely right in the sense that wow. that there is a lot of change. <laughs> oh, you. get ready for the Yay. next part. <laughs> oh, crap. There's a but. <laughs> oh, there's a but. Um, but in the sense that like the world will change better and more effectively if there's time change. and individuals change. Sure. Totally agree. However... We're talking about child safety. We're talking about images and graphic things. I know there was a video on TikTok of mm-hmm. a suicide that went by. It was oh like a live, gosh. like a live thing. And it was millions and millions of kids and people. Like TikTok's platform is at at youngest, I think, or I think it's 13. Mm. I think it's 13. And um, and it was going f- around for a while. And like I I'm very thankful that I didn't have to see it, but I heard about it because other creators were standing up and being like, if you see the video that starts like this, do not watch it. If Mm. you see the video that starts like this, do not watch it. And they were taking the censorship on as their own community to be able Mm. to protect the safety of kids, but that should not have ever been their job. Mm -hmm. That should have been the job of the platform being able to identify that a death was happening like on their thing and to take it out or even better yet, an intervention where there would have been a fine if mm. that video was able to circulate for as mm-hmm. long as it did. Mm-hmm. And, but so like what you're arguing is for removal of Section 230 because that would put it back to like the companies in charge of filtering the content on their platform because like that they can be sued for content on their platform. Cause like at this point YouTube lets like pedophiles can comment on kids videos and, and be creepy and YouTube can't do anything about it. You can report it and then YouTube will consider taking it down just because they don't want you upset, but they're not, it is not their job right. to filter through. And everything. I think that's wrong. We're, we're kind of, Inconclusive again, I guess on on these these three different entities, which one should be in charge of this? But I do have a closing quote for us from uh, Emma Morris. She's the global policy director at the Family Online Safety Institute, and she says this: From our work around the world, we have learned that cu- cultural context is incredibly important to the approaches that are taken by individual nations. The only way that we are going to meet these challenges as an industry or as a country is to work together to talk, and most importantly, to listen. And once again, you've reached the inconclusive end of the inconclusive podcast. Sharing is caring. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. 
Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Inconclusive Podcast. Talk to you next time.